0: Hey everybody, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com and you are listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Welcome back everyone. I hope you had a nice Christmas, a nice Christmas break. Uh, We're at that point now, it's at the end of the year where we have that, it's kind of like a lull this week uh, where we're waiting to go into the new year and then sometimes there's a little bit of a recovery period where people try and get back in the swing of things. And I have to tell you that uh, thankfully this season of holidays that starts in Thanksgiving and goes through the new year, um, in our family we keep it really simple now. And uh, we get together and, and we eat and the day is over and then we go on uh, with life. And that's that's basically how we do it. Um, We keep everything simple so it doesn't require uh, an extraordinary amount of planning and energy. And I I find that we're happier that way. I know a lot of people complain, and believe me, there's a lot of complaining and murmuring and griping today, probably more so than I ever remember in the past. Multiple reasons for this. People complain uh, because of the way the world is, because the way maybe the economy is, because maybe the way their finances are. And, um, and it's easy to fall into that. It's easy to fall into the complaining and the negativity. I, I've caught myself doing it uh, more than once where we talk about how things used to be better in the past. And even if that's true, maybe things really were better in the past, but that doesn't mean that we're going to make them better by complaining about it and comparing now versus them, it's sometimes, you know, you just shake yourself and you wonder how did, how did we get here as far as, as people go at this time in history with the way things are. And, uh, but if you look at the Bible, uh, things have always been this way, this more or less in our society, uh, they were more hidden in the past. They were there, maybe not in great number, but now everything is out in the open. And um, so human nature is what it is, but God changes people and gives them a new spirit, the Bible says, on the inside. Yep, you still have the same thoughts that you did before. You still have the same memories and all of those things. And absolutely, it can be um, challenging, Because it requires you to make a choice of what path you're going to walk for your own life. Are you going to do what God said and and these are the principles you're going to follow for your life? These are the principles you're going to follow when you're interacting with other people that may not be so easy to smile back at. Um, There's a lot of people in the world that will just run over you and not give a second thought to it. And, uh, and and we all know that. And so Jesus was the example. He set an example that um, he was slandered and ridiculed, and it's amazing how he maintained, even knowing what would happen in the end. Because if you have faith and and you read what happens in the end, and what it's like in the in the time of the judgment, then you know that nobody gets away with anything. It may seem like it um, here in this lifetime, but as soon as you uh, draw your last breath in this world, your spirit will leave your body and you enter the next world and you either enter it forgiven or not for the things that you did in in this lifetime. And the... You know when it comes down to it, and and this once goes goes along with what I was going to talk about today. But what it goes, what it comes down to is that you know everything that God offers, He offers is a free gift. He, the salvation isn't something that can be earned. Um, living uh, like we're supposed to live, treating people like we're supposed to treat them—none of those things the Bible says can be done without His power working in your life. And I absolutely, positively agree with that. That's not even a a test to believe. Um, But anyway, the other day I was on, um, I was reading the Bible and then right afterward I went on to um, Facebook and I noticed there somebody uh, put a post up about Christmas is a pagan holiday and we shouldn't be, and, and all of that that goes through. So Really, the, the Christmas that we celebrate today is more like an American holiday. Um, it's, a, it's a time where, you know, people exchange gifts and they eat. Matter of fact, just about every holiday has basically <clears throat> been boiled down to we, we sit at a table and we eat. Well, you don't need a holiday to sit at a table and eat, but some days are recognized higher than others. And the Bible says that, you know, one man esteems the day. And the other man esteems all days the same. And th- what it stresses is, whatever you're going to do, do it is unto the Lord. So in other words, um, if you want to acknowledge that Jesus' is birth, Jesus was born and came into the world on <clears throat> December 25th, then that's fine. I mean, that's something that's in your heart between you and God. If you choose not to acknowledge that, that's fine too. Uh, everybody... Um, Whatever you do, you do it in your heart, and, and God looks upon the heart. You know, I'm I'm sure pe- people make a big deal out of oh, you know, a Christmas tree is a is a pagan uh, thing. Well, you know, to some people, the Christmas tree means absolutely nothing. You know, in their heart, they're not worshiping a pagan uh, holiday just because they have a, a tree there, any more than if they have a cross on their wall uh, in their home that they're worshiping God. You know, the, it's not the outward things, the Bible says, that defiles a man, but it's the things that come out of the heart. So, I was reading here in, in the book of Titus, and at the end, in the third chapter, right around the ninth, yes, it's the ninth verse, it says here that, but avoid foolish questions, genealogies, and contentions. And, strivings about the law for they are unprofitable in vain and you see this every holiday season that people are striving you know about these things and they're being contentious so the bible says you know let all things be done unto edifying you know as as members as fellow believers um, we're supposed to be edifying and uplifting one another and the admonition is, is is to bring people into a place where they're not being contentious. You know, so you can imagine that, I mean, there was a huge debate on this one person's Facebook thread that I was reading about Christmas, and everybody was weighing in, and, and some people saw nothing wrong with it, and some people th- thought it was this or that, and, and it really comes down to is, is in the heart. That's what God looks at, right? There's nothing... Um, the things that are going into a person aren't defiling them. It's the things that come out of their heart. The Bible says one man eats meat, the other doesn't. And l- don't let your liberty become a stumbling block for somebody else. You're not under the law anymore when you're in Christ. And absolutely, do you want to do good things, good works, the Bible says? A- and absolutely, but you don't want to become a, um, get to the place where Um, you know, you're judging other people, not knowing what's in their heart, not knowing where they are, and everything that used to be edifying is now just bringing heaps of condemnation on people. So Jesus died for the person that was the weaker in faith. He died for the person that's stronger in faith and everybody in between. In Christ, we are a new creation. So Uh, Titus chapter 3 verse number 9, that's what that talks about. It's not just there, it's in other places too about avoiding foolish arguments and things that are unprofitable. So it doesn't take a genius to tell whether something is profitable or whether it's unprofitable. You can just see by the fruit that it creates. So when something creates arguments and strifes in, in and among those who believe, then you know it's unprofitable. Now, on the outside, it's different because for people that, that don't believe, then, yeah, they're going to argue. There would be strife about um, what the Bible says is the Bible, God's word, or all of these other things. And that's understandable. It happened in Jesus' day. But amongst the believers, when they were on their own, the idea was that everything be done with a pure and sincere heart and that the the brethren, which includes the sisterin too, it will be lifted up. So in uh, the last time I was uh, last podcast, I was talking about uh, the Acts and the book of Acts and and how they prayed in the original church. And one of the things that we saw that is they spoke the word. They spoke to the mountain. In Mark 11:24 Jesus said, "Believe you receive your answer when you pray. And then in um, mark 11:23 the verse before it, he talks about speaking to the mountain, telling it to be removed and believing that what you say will come to pass. And then in a the verse before that, he tells everybody to, to start all of this off by having faith in God. So um, we looked at the um, book of Acts and Peter, right after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the first miracle that was done, he told the man, the lame man, who was sitting at the, the gate that was called Beautiful, Uh, by Solomon's temple. He told him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to be healed, to rise up. So we can see that. Let me just take Acts chapter 3, verse number 1 through 11. Talks about that story. Let me get there quickly. In Acts chapter 3, And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the hand. Now there, he didn't pray. He just spoke the word. He spoke the word, not just in the name of Jesus, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So in other places, uh, we don't see him using that complete phrase again, which tells me that if if God were legalistic, right? And he said, in the name of Jesus, rise and be healed. It wouldn't work unless you said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So you can see it's what he intended. That's what was in um, Peter's heart at the time, right? So the, the fifth chapter of the book of Acts, it says that many um, signs and wonders were wrought. So we can look there in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse number 12, As another example of how uh, they did things in the book of Acts, let's see here, verse number, let's move on to verse number 12. It says, By the hands, isn't that interesting? It doesn't say by the prayers, it says, By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders worked among the people. So you you can see there that they laid hands on sick people. Jesus touched people. He spoke the word. But here you can see that they actually laid hands on people. And and this is in other places in the Bible. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Mark chapter 16. Um, Okay, so let's go on a little bit further. So what, what do I want you to see here is that there's not just one way. You know, today people do things the, the same way. They usually pray for God to heal somebody. But here you can see that, um, well, let's let's look at it. In Acts chapter uh, 9, verse number 34. Again, this is Peter, Acts chapter 9. And, and remember, he learned directly from Jesus, right? So if there if there's somebody we want to look at and see, well, exactly what did he do? How did he minister to people? What did he do? Um, and, and you remember, or if you don't, I'm reminding you that Peter told the whole crowd when they marveled back when this first started in the third chapter of the book of Acts, why marvel at us as though by our looking at us, as though by our own power or holiness we made this man walk. It was the name of Jesus and faith in his name that made this man sound among you all, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the healer. God the Father is the healer. The Holy Spirit is the healer. Those three are one, right? So when we say Lord, we're really talking about all three. We're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, And and we're looking at this not so that we can say, oh, I I know all these different facts in the Bible. We're looking at this so you can start applying some of these things in your own life. So you can start praying for people and get better results than you have in the past. So you can start praying for friends or people that you work with or or patterning and growing, right? I mean, think about it. When you are a child your father, your mother eventually give you some more responsibility as you get older. Things that they did for you, you start doing yourself, right? I mean, I remember when I was a kid, my mother set out the clothes that I was going to wear to kindergarten. And she did that for a while. After a while, I got to pick out my own clothes, right? And she wouldn't lay out the clothes anymore. I remember for a while, um, you know, I wasn't responsible for taking the garbage out. I wasn't responsible for mowing the lawn. <clears throat> but, you know, the Bible says in the book of Galatians, as long as the person is a child, they differ nothing. They're just the same as the servants. Right? As long as you remain a child, you're no different than than the servants in the house. Right? But when, but once, once you become an adult, then you, you begin to exercise authority. So... Even the the child of the king or the child of the queen in a royal family, when as long as they're a child, they don't have any authority, right? I mean, even the even the butler has more authority or the butlers, um, in their comings and goings, in how they do things. But what happens as a person gets older, they get more responsibility, and they're expected to take that responsibility. Well, it's it's really no different spiritually. as a a new believer, everything is new to you. And then as a certain certain point, you know, you hear stories about God still doing miracles today and still responding to prayer and still responding to the name of Jesus. And you have a choice that you can either believe it or not believe it. And you can make up your own opinion about it. So in in my own experience, my first thought was, well, I guess God specially blesses certain people to do things, but this isn't for everybody. And that was my opinion because when I prayed, I never saw any results in the past. But then when I started reading the New Testament closer and stopped listening to, um, you know, what people thought about, it's, you know, it's funny that people have opinions about things, but they've never actually been there. It's like me giving you an opinion of Alaska because I saw a show on TV, but I'd never actually been there. Right. How can you give an expert opinion about anything unless you've been there? right? People talk about, oh, you know, Mars is like this and Jupiter is like that. Well, nobody's ever been there. How do you know? You're going to tell from a, a telescope or tests somehow, <laughs> right? I mean, if you've never been to Europe, how do you know what it's really like? You've never been to the United States, how do you know what it's really like? You can read the papers, but maybe your daily experience is totally different than what you see in the papers. And so I want to know for myself, back in 1986, does God still respond to an individual's prayer? Can you still ask? Never, forget about the opinion. What does the Bible say? The Bible said that anybody can ask and they'll receive. Anybody could seek and they'll find. Anybody could knock and the door will be open. Well, the Bible said that and and people around me, I'm not talking about family or anything like that, but the people in the church at the time that I had known up until that point, said that, well, no, not everybody that uh, asks, receives, and not everybody who seeks, knocks, and and not everybody who um, asks, receives, seeks, knocks, and the door shall be open. Ask, seek, and knock. In other words, it doesn't always work for everybody. Well, I, I remember thinking somebody brought out a good point. They said, well, Jesus didn't say that. Well, then Jesus must have lied about it. I mean, they put it just like that. Everyone, ask and you shall receive; seeking, you'll find; knock and the door will be open. He said, "Knock and the door will be open if it's the will of God." He didn't say that. Ask and sometimes you shall receive. Right, so that Jesus only said what the Father told him to say. Those scriptures that we see there, He only taught what the Father told him to to teach. Right, and Jesus taught because the Father told him to to tell the people, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Didn't say you might have them, you could have them, or it's a strong possibility. It was very definite in the wording. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe. Whosoever, he said, shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. So whosoever doesn't leave anybody out. Because the same whosoever that can move a mountain is the same whosoever in the verse where it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we put restrictions on experiences that the Bible doesn't. And we we put them there because we want to justify our own lack of belief. And in, in some cases, I think it just comes down to hardness of heart, right? Because... And I really believe this. the The reason why ask, seek, and knock are there, is because it it implies effort. Asking will be given to you. Seek is seeking takes effort. Did you ever lose something? And you turn the house upside down, losing for it. You retrace your steps. There's some effort there. Seek is seeking for something is different than giving a casual glance around the room. Knock also implies effort. Knock, and it will be open. You know, it implies that you continue, you're knocking, you're not knocking once, listening, oh, nobody must be there, or for some reason they don't want to get up and open the door. No, knock and it shall be opened to you. There's no failure, there's no even a hint. Jesus didn't even give a hint of failure. He, Matter of fact, he did just the opposite. <clears throat> he stressed persistence, when he told the story about the unjust judge, he stressed persistence. So, <clears throat> excuse me, so let's go on a little bit further. So, Acts chapter 9, verse 34, again with Peter, Acts 9, 30, uh, nine thirty-three actually, start there. It says, And he found a certain man named Ananias, which had kept his bed eight years, and was sick of the palsy. So imagine that bed, bedfast eight years, sick of the palsy. In other words, you're just a mess to look at. And Peter said to him, "Ananias, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Well, make and uh, arise and make your bed." And he rose immediately, and and everybody saw this miracle. So what did he do there? There it doesn't doesn't even say he prayed. He just said. Jesus Christ makes you whole, right? It's the Jesus Christ that was in him. It was the same Jesus Christ that he talked about in the third chapter, where he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and take your bed. Now, if we go a little bit further, we see in the 36th verse, it says there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas, okay so this woman it says was full of good works having uh and giving of alms which she did giving of alms means giving to the poor it's the most important type of giving we see in the new testament giving to the poor matter of fact giving of alms is is basically the the central type of giving that jesus did it doesn't even say he brought tithes to the storehouse it says he gave alms and and Matter of fact, at the last supper, when Jesus left, or excuse me, when um, when uh, right before they left the um, and Jesus was arrested, right before they left where they had their last supper together, when um, Judas Iscariot got up and went off to betray Jesus, tell them where he was and everything, so they could send the Roman guard there to arrest him. It says that the disciples supposed maybe he was going to give some money to the poor or do something in in relation to the upcoming festival. So they didn't think anything of. They were used to giving to the poor. It was something they did. Very popular. Not so popular. We don't hear about it too much in the church world today. We hear a lot about giving tithes so that there can be food in the in the church. In other words, keeping the lights on, keeping the air conditioning going, paying for all the things that go to the overhead. But back then, I mean, think about it. Jesus had almost no overhead, right? So most of his money went back to the poor, giving to the poor. Okay, verse 37, it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Now, next stage, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. So after her death, they cleaned her up and they laid her body in an upper chamber. So they heard that Peter was there and they sent two men desiring that he would come there and he went with them. It says they brought him to the upper chamber in verse number 39 with all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made and but in verse 40 it says Peter put them all forth. In other words he put them out of the room. Why did he do that? Because when he was with Jesus and all the people were, were lamenting and crying and weeping over the death, which had occurred, um, in several situations, when before Jesus raised people from the dead, he put everybody out of the room, so he got all of the negativity out, all of the all of the doubt, all of the fear. He got all those people out. Jesus just just took <clears throat> Peter and John and James with them, those three in the inner inner circle, and showed them why because Jesus probably saw God the Father probably showed him that this is what Peter this was in Peter's future he was going to be a leader you know in any group you have the leaders and and Peter James and John were the early leadership those three it's interesting so Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed what do you think he prayed well it's probably not important because It says he turned him to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And then she woke up. But what was the praying? The praying was probably getting all of that weeping and all of the crying and all of the negativity that had affected him when he walked into the room. He probably prayed so that God seemed bigger than the sorrow that had previously uh, occupied that space. Right? So the last thing he saw was the weeping and the crying and, and the negativity and the doubt. Because let's face it, if those people had faith, they probably wouldn't have been weeping. They would have been rejoicing that Peter was there, right? Because Peter had been with Jesus, you know? And and if they had faith, maybe they would have been really excited because they, they want to learn how to do it, right? Because you remember in the book of Acts, if you don't, there was a disciple named Stephen. He did mighty miracles. He wasn't even an apostle, he was just going and using the name of Jesus. If you remember back in the Gospels, there was an incident where the disciples who were with Jesus saw another man doing miracles in Jesus' name, and they forbade him, he said, because they he, didn't, he wasn't with them. He wasn't part of their group. And Jesus told him not to. Right? Let that person alone. Let him do miracles in my name. See, that man understood all the way back there. But these people... They're like people today. They thought, well, unless you're chosen, but God chose those who believe to show his power through them. If you believe in Jesus, you are God's man or woman for this hour. But if you don't do it, if you remain like a child, if you don't start exercising your authority, if you don't take your place like an adult, then you are no different than a child, even though maybe you've been a believer for a long time. Right, you're no different than the slave because you have to wait for somebody who understands authority to speak up and stand up for you. Right? I mean, think about it. When you're an adult, you have to stand up for yourself. Imagine this: imagine you um, um, get a room in in a hotel, and you're traveling with with your family, or maybe you're traveling with a friend or whatever, and you go to stay someplace for the night. So you go in there and you, you turn on the light. You go into the bathroom and there's hair all over the floor. I mean nobody cleaned the bathroom. It's just the way it was when it was uh, occupied by the last person when they left. Nobody ever came in and cleaned it. Then you look at the beds and they're all all apart like somebody just woke up. And nobody changed the sheets, nobody made the bed. Are you just going to pay for the night and say, well, you know, we're just gonna have to make the best of it? No, you're gonna stand up for your rights. Right? Because you paid, you didn't pay for that. You paid for a clean room. So you'd go out there to the desk, the manager, and you do what you have to do. Now maybe you don't feel comfortable doing that. Maybe you don't like to make a scene, and so you you take you accept less. Maybe you're afraid that the person will shout back at you or or, or whatever. And, and so you've never done it before. But once you start doing things, then you feel a little bit. I remember one time I was driving and I wanted to uh, stop for the night. Family, we were together. And I wanted to get a room and watch a, a boxing match that was going to be on HBO. And this hotel said free HBO with every room. So I go in there all excited to watch the fight, and I turn it on. Guess what? The HBO was, wasn't working on that TV set. Well, you know, I was just beside myself because being a big boxing fan, especially back then, back in the, uh, in the 90s, early 90s, boxing was pretty exciting to me anyway. And so I wanted to see the big fight. And so I went there, and, and I went back to the um, front desk, and I said, hey, the HBO is in – I need a room where the HBO is working because um, there's a big fight coming on. It's not working on this TV. Can you give me another room? You know, and and I really wanted the end result. I really wanted the end result. I didn't walk in there and think, well, you know what? If she says, I'm sorry, there's no other rooms. And I realized if there really wasn't any of the rooms, then I'd be stuck. But I knew that place wasn't full to capacity. You know, so I wanted another room. That's what I wanted. And that's what I stood up for. and That's what I got. They were nice and they apologized and they gave me another room. And, and so, you know, when you're a kid, sometimes you you just, when you're younger and you don't know any better, sometimes you accept less, right? But when you get older, you stand up for yourself the best that you can. And, and so it's no different spiritually. The Bible said Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price to set us free from the power of sin and death. Yes, we all physically die at one point. The Bible says it's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. But even though we pass through this gate, the Bible says that the sting of death has been removed because of what Jesus did at the cross. But he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Right? The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he shall be forgiven. That's total restoration of the body of, of the soul, of the spirit, right? If we confess our sins, the Bible says he's, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not just some of it. We have all these precious promises. Peter says there has been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that we can escape the corruption that is in the world. You know, the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And that was in the Old Testament. So in Christ, we are the righteousness of God. The Bible says, Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 30. And so here you see, it says, Peter put them all forth. You remember in Acts chapter 9, right? Peter put them all forth and kneeling down and prayed. So he probably prayed and lifted up God in his heart. Lord, you're the creator of heaven and earth. I've walked with Jesus. I saw the miracles you do. And I ask you to flow through my hands and restore this woman again. And then he turned to the body and said, arise. Do you see how that works? In other words, he prayed and lifted up his heart. He he got out of fear into faith. He got out of negativity into believing. He got out of doubt into belief, if he had doubt or he shook it off, or who knows what he prayed. Um, You know, think about how you pray. I mean, he's a man with like passions, the Bible says. Think about the things that affect you, right? When when things affect you negatively, sometimes you pray to get your heart right again. You know, you're distracted, you don't feel good, you're short of temper, and, and if somebody asked you to pray, Maybe you would just pray, kneel down, and just get your own heart right before you did what he did. But he prayed first and turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. So today, most people, they just pray and that's it. They're not actually speaking, speaking the word. And that's what Jesus taught the disciples, and that's what the early church did, and that's why they had the miracles that they did. It's not just the belief, it's how they put their belief into action. He spoke to the body, and it says she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Okay, let's look at a few more. So Peter was um, delivered out of prison by an angel in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts. He was sleeping when the angel came, so he probably really didn't care. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of his life, he was crucified. And according to tradition, he was crucified upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy to die just like Jesus had died. And I kind of believe that the fact that he denied Jesus replayed itself over in his mind over and over again. Even though Jesus forgave him, it was just one of those things that probably stuck with him. Because sometimes you can look at your own life, and even though you know you've been forgiven and ask God for forgiveness for certain things, there's just certain situations that If you could go back and undo what you do or unsay what was said, you would absolutely, positively, without question, do it. But you can't go back, can you? And, And there's instances in which we would make things right if we had the ability to go back in time, but we can't, right? But there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. There is restoration, and that's what's good. But you're human, and sometimes those images. Are stronger than others related to the past. So sometimes you have to pray, you know. You you have to get free of those of those things. So we look at other examples, like for example Paul, for instance, he meets Jesus on the road in a vision, and in Acts chapter fourteen when when he's a believer, Acts chapter fourteen, and you know a lot of things happen that weren't recorded. I mean, just think—years worth of <coughs> ministry that Jesus did is compiled down into the Gospels. It's a fast-moving narrative. Same thing with the Book of Acts. Years are here. I mean, I think it was about fourteen years before Paul even met the original um, disciples. You know, he went to a um, to a place and and he learned, he studied. Um, and he had his ministry. But here in Acts chapter 14, let's see, we're verse number 8. It says, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, weak in his feet, being crippled from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak. What did Paul preach? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. If you want to know what Jesus is like, you can read the Gospels, and he never changes and he was raised from the dead. And he's at the right hand of God right now. And he sent us to proclaim his name, his truth. It says, the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he leapt and walked. So here's a miracle where Paul, Sees that this man had faith to be healed. Well, how did he have faith to be healed? How did he know? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And Paul preached that Jesus was a miracle worker. That God was a miracle worker. That the Holy Ghost was a miracle worker. Right? Those three are one. And that man, he probably saw the excitement and the anticipation on his face. He stopped talking, and he said, stand upright. I mean, that man was just chomping at the bit to receive. Stand upright on your feet. He says, and he leapt doesn't say he stood it says he leapt and walked right now the the man that got healed in the chapter three of the book of acts it says that peter took him by the hand and lifted him and his legs were healed as he was lifted but this man he didn't wait to be he this man didn't even need to be taken by the hand he leapt he sprung like he came out of a cannon probably off the ground. Right. Because here's a man, weak in his feet, crippled from his mother's womb. That means he never walked right a day in his life. So, when the people see this, they all thought that Paul was like a god. (laughs) You know? I mean, it's no different today when people see something that that man is special. And it says that in the 14th verse... Um, when they heard that they were looked at as gods, Barnabas and Paul, it says they rent their clothes. That's what people used to do back then when they were upset they tore they tore their clothes. That was the, the tradition. You know, and what did he say in verse 15? Sirs, why do you do this? We are also we also are men of like passions with you. He didn't say we were men like you. He said we are men like you we're subject to the same things right we, we go through the same tests and trials of being in this body being in a fallen world the difference is we have jesus but you read about it and they they preach the gospel to them so verse 22 he talks about they exhorted the believers to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So yeah, absolutely, when you're on your own, sometimes you just feel like you're the only one because you hear other people's success stories and, and people magnify that. But you don't realize that those people came through extreme tests too, and sometimes you feel like, well, where's mine? Did you ever feel that way? And there's a lot of other people in Christ today, other believers, and you're waiting for something and you have to persevere. You have to persevere through the dry times sometimes. You have to persevere through uh, confusion, you know, because this voice will tell you, well, you know, if you were really believing, it would have happened already, you know, and you have to realize that you can't will something into being. You know, it's, it's God who does the work. You do the believing, God does all the heavy lifting. You use the name of Jesus, God takes it from there. <clears throat> but you have to do, like the Bible says, having done all to stand, stand. You know, the purpose of podcasts like this and other similar things is to encourage you to keep on believing. Don't turn back. Don't give up. Don't toss in the towel and say, you know what? I've waited long enough. You have to keep on keeping on. There is no end. There's no such thing as you giving up. You know, I don't know if the fight is, is a 10 rounder, a 15 rounder, or a fight to the finish. I don't know. Some things happen quickly. Some things take longer. But you know what? You, when, when things take a long time, we tend to look at ourselves and we magnify our own deficiencies our own inconsistencies, and we blame ourselves for something not happening, and then we get into the cycle of doubt and fear. What can I change to make this happen? But here's the thing: it is of grace that it might be by it is of uh, faith that it might be by grace that the promise is assured to all of the seed. In other words, it is the grace of God's unearned favor that makes all of this work. You have to have faith in God's favor. You have to have faith in the name of Jesus. You have to have faith that continues to believe in what Jesus did at the cross, even if it looks like it's not working for you. That's what faith does. That's why faith is called a fight. It's called a fight because it's not easy. There's opposition, and there will be plenty of opportunities to throw in the towel. You already know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I'm reminding you that just is what makes God happy. Right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Keep on believing. I know things may hurt. I know you may be suffering. I know it's not fun. It's not supposed to be fun. Through much tribulation, it says right here, through much tribulation. Let me read this again. Acts 14, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Right now, things seem like they're going to take forever, but there will come a time when you will see the light, when you'll be through on the other side, here in this lifetime, and have the answer. And then you will, in turn, want to encourage those who are struggling who haven't seen the answer yet. And then one day we'll leave all of this behind and we'll be there in the presence of God, it says, forever. We'll be in the heavenly world where everything will be new and fresh and alive and vibrant and peaceful and comforting And all of this will seem like nothing compared to the reward that is there to those who place their faith in Jesus instead of in other things. Okay, so two things I, I just want to leave you with. One is the prayer principle. We pray, but we don't stop there. Right? After that, we speak to the mountains in Jesus' name. And then we don't give up. We don't quit. I'm not going to give you a formula. I'm just going to say that we keep on keeping on. And some days that may just be giving thanks for the answer, even though you don't see it yet. Other days that may be praying more to, to make that connection in your heart that you have with God more alive and more real. Get the junk out of your life because we get dirty in this world. You know, think about this. How often do you take a shower, take a bath or whatever? Do you go weeks at a time? No, right? Because why? Because there's just too much dirt. It doesn't matter what you're doing. There's dirt, there's sweat, there's all kinds of things that, that if you let yourself go, you got to brush your teeth, you got to do all these things. Well, spiritually, it's really no different <clears throat> because the Bible says the whole world lies in darkness. And so we're here in a place where we have to keep... Refreshing ourselves because yesterday's refreshing doesn't work for today. We gotta fill up with good things because yesterday's manna is stale today. You know you need something fresh. Think about the bread that you buy. You know, Jesus said when you pray, pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. You know bread doesn't stay forever, even the bread that has preservatives in it. You gotta go regularly and replace it. New bread, new milk, new flour, new new everything. Right? The chairs that we sit on wear out and have to be replaced. You know, the batteries that we use running right the of power got to be replaced with fresh batteries. It's no different spiritually when we're here. Right? Okay, well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I hope you have a prosperous 2018. We don't know what the new year holds. I know there'll be challenges, but you know what? I know there will also be good things, and that's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the good, not the bad. I want to focus the the things that lift up, not the tear down. Do you know why? Because all of the hard work was already done by Jesus. All of the sacrifice that needed to be made on our behalf is already done. And I read the end of the book, we don't lose, we win. We aren't defeated. We're victorious. The darkness doesn't last forever. It's cast into a lake of fire. And there's a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness reigns. Amen. God bless you. Take care. I'll see you next time.